Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host, Andrew Degler. In today's episode, I would like you to listen to an interview that I had with Rune Thiel, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Rockstart. Uh, the company used to be called an accelerator. It's located in Amsterdam, Copenhagen, and Bogota, Colombia, but has since become a remote-first accelerator VC, and it has just presented its new branding, in which it's doing away with the iconic rock and roll hand symbol. So I sat down with Runa to talk about the changes that Rockstar has experienced lately and also his vision of the future of the company and the ecosystem as a whole. So check it out. My name is Rune Thiel. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Rockstar. Great. And Rockstar is? So Rockstar is a global accelerator VC. We operate in three different countries with offices in Amsterdam, Denmark, Copenhagen and Bogota and Colombia. You used to be called just uh, just an accelerator, and uh, now it's accelerator VC. So, what, what does the change in the name mean? So, basically, uh, growing up in uh, 2011, when we started out, we had this one tagline that we wanted to support startups in the first 1,000 days. One of the things that we did was acceleration. So that was 100 to 180 days, like half a year, where you would come into a program and then you'd be accelerated, and in that process, we would help the startups getting connected with mentors, connected with investors. And by the end of the, the program, you would have achieved basically getting some traction, a product market fit, as we like to think about it back then, and you would have, have attracted the first round of capital. Now, what reality really looks like is that might be a nice kickoff for the first part of the journey of your company, but a lot of the challenges that you meet will continue much beyond that. So adding the VC part is the more long-term thinking. It's not that we have changed so much in our DNA. We still support founders from that very early stage, and we still have an ecosystem around them to do that. But the difference is now that we'll continue to invest in the companies all the way up to Series B, which allow us to constantly be there and support on the challenges they have. So it used to be 1,000 days. How many days is it now? <laughs> well, depending on when you're getting an investment for Rockstar, but a, a fund has a life cycle of minimum 10 years, and you can extend that with another three years in the context of Rockstar. So if you're part of the first-year program, we basically have another 10 years where we continue to manage that portfolio. So instead of 1,000 days, it's more like 10 years if you have to be sort of true to how the model works. We, of course, realize that our most value add is in the first years, right? So let's say I think you could kind of scale it down after Series A. So depending on how fast you're going to get there as a company, you know, the less involvement you probably get from Rockstar and more involvement you get from the Series A, Series B, Series C investors. Yeah, that makes sense. And with the new branding that you're just introducing now, are you dropping the word accelerator altogether or, uh, or does it stay? So I'm introducing us as an accelerator VC, but in reality, we are sort of a multi-state investor, right. uh, starting with a program component to ensure that we give the right support to every company and then following up together with the market from there. So accelerator Yes, as a word, will not be used so much on the mm. on the new marketing website from from Rockstar, and the reason also being is we feel it's been kind of 
overused in too many contexts. And we've, we, we, we sense that it had like a, a bit of a negative connotation in some context. Right. So, I mean, like, uh, it's it's pretty obvious, but I need to state that we know each other for a long time. I, I, I used to work uh, for Rockstar. I used to report directly to you. And this sort of change, like, has always been sort of in the cards, right? So, like, it's, a, it's it's been a long time in the works, and I'm very happy to see it happening. But so how did the, how did the pandemic uh, influence uh, these uh, plans? Did it, like, sort of speed, speed it up? Uh? In some ways, you could say, definitely. But you're right, I mean... When we sort of were making plans back in the days, and it was mostly internally, of course, we already had this intention to roll out the strategy of having funds connected to East Domain. We were able to launch the first one in 2019. But the reality is that the starting point from Rockstar was not just to have this program, including capital and support for the much longer term. It was also having co-working space, an academy, an answers event, and even impact programs in Myanmar and Nepal. You say the final thing that we had before COVID was this big co-working space, 3,000 square meters. COVID kind of ended that journey because there wasn't much room or sense in having a co-working offering as part of what we did. So we were able to close that down and then become a fully remote-first company, which means that our ecosystem is much more distributed and less focused on that one location. Although, of course, we have offices in three locations, but much less that one place where the startups are coming. we rather see how we can enhance and support them wherever they are. Did you also have to cut the number of people working for the organization? On one part of the organization, yes. So on the co-working side, of course, yeah. But in reality, in that period, we just shifted, shifted people over in other functions. And we had the second fund being launched during COVID, so t- October 2020 which meant we needed some some more hands to actually you know operate the program and uh, of course on on the fund itself so um yeah we approximate the same amount of people now as we were before mm-hmm. covid so program wise there used to be emerging tech agri food digital health and uh, ai so what's what's left so basically now our core is in between sustainability and emerging technologies with a fund and a program fully focused on emerging technologies, one in Europe and one in uh, Latin America. And then we have one fund and program focused on aquifood with you know the core focus on Europe, but basically a mandate that is global. And then uh, within energy, also fund and a program with a mandate within Europe. Right. And how big, uh, how big are the funds? Uh, what are they like? So we are close to the Aquafood Fund, 22 million, and we are now at around 26 million for the Energy Fund, expecting that to go slightly higher. So the funds are what you can call micro funds, or some are even calling nano funds now because there's so many <laughs> levels of sizes. It's too much money. <laughs> there's too much money. Here. And we are seeing that we are most effective at the stage that we are at if the funds have a size between 20 to 40 million euros. So that's sort of the first states that we we will build out of funds between 20 to 40 million and then we'll see sort of next states what size funds make sense at that at that stage right and how big part of these uh, funds are you you're marking for like new investments and uh, how big is the part for the follow-ups depending on the size of the fund it will be between 20 to 30 percent for the initial phase where we invest partly cash and partly a program that they go through of half a year and then the remainder is basically for follow-on. So that's between your, your 82 to 70% mm-hmm, for follow-on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And how different now are the startups that you're looking for? 
I think it's kind of, we, we kind of in the same category, right? Like early stage, pre-seed, preferably the first investor in the company. And why I say preferably is because we do like to be part of building a professional foundation and organization. And that's just easier the earlier that you get in. But it's not that we will not invest in a great company if it's a little bit later states and we still see an opportunity to have strong value add. Uh, so what we expect is committed founder, some MVP, a minimal viable product, and then preferably some some traction already. So that would be like pilot customers, some users, or you know some validation of the service or product. And that's a great time to be in a Rockstar program because then you start talking about something very concrete with the network, with the ecosystem, and you get much more qualified feedback for what you have developed. And what are the programs like now? Yeah, so we are running it in what we call deep dive weeks, really trying to optimize around the founders. So instead of having like weekly curriculum and activity, it's only one week every month. That means that everything's quite condensed for that week. And then the remainder of the program, we have weekly check-ins between the core mentors and the, and the Rockstar team and the and the founders and that allowed the founders to optimize for time for the remainder of the of the months where there's no data weeks we and, found that's the best way right and for the programs do you still like run the application calls and uh, all this kind of thing or is it now different it's the same you can still apply reality is a lot of coming in uh, through referral because you can imagine like later states investors often like seeing deal flow that could be interesting for us and then they're sending it over there's also many of the mentors in the mentor pool who likes to forward and refer good companies. And then we have a tactic as well where we're sort of reaching out to interesting companies we see and explaining what we do and see if it's a good fit. And in many cases, companies recognize that we can add a lot of value to what they do. So by moving from this pure accelerator type of play uh, towards a more of a VC type of play, like from 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 the from my point of view, you're moving into an even more competitive uh, landscape uh, in Europe and especially now, uh, especially at this stage. So how do you how do you actually see your sort of USP? How do like how do how are you going to compete with uh, with all the players around? Good question. So the the important thing is that of course we, we starting point is a global so offices in Copenhagen, Amsterdam, yeah. but also Bogota. Regardless of our position in any of the markets, we're still the early states. Uh, so although we have more money now, we like to be in as early as possible, and we like to be supportive, creating a professional structure and organization, allowing companies to be ready for raising, uh, let's say, a, a, big, a bigger financing round to really start scaling up. And I think if you look at the last majority of the competition, especially in Europe, mm-hmm. not to look at the time for yeah. now, but... Uh, in Europe, like most VCs will be looking for a little bit later states. They'll be looking for something that's sort of a seed round. Many of them are looking at, at A rounds. So just if you look at the development of these VC funds, when we started out, an average VC fund in Europe would be around 45 million. That's taking everything and then taking the average, right? If you look at it today, it's approximately 10 years later, we're closer to 150 million. What that means is the economics of these funds does not allow to go in really early. And if you go in really early, you don't have a lot of capacity on your team to actually support those companies because your real sweet spot would be closer to Series A. Now, we have smaller funds, dedicated smaller teams, but we are able to go in quite early and offer quite customized support for every of these companies. And that's really the difference. So if you look at us in a competitive space, there's not that many that, that caters and supports founders at the very beginning. 
so I still like to think that from a European perspective, of course, there are competition, but nobody, I would say, that have the exact same focuses around agri-food, energy, and emerging technologies at the states that we're at. So I like to think we're well positioned for this. But how do you make uh, uh, these uh, economics work for you, that same economics that doesn't work for bigger firms? It was, the, the, the reason being is that the funds are a bit smaller. We are not sort of optimizing for the highest amount of management fee by building a big fund where you get a lot of money to manage that money. But we are optimizing for returns on those funds. So it's really performance driven in that sense. And then because of the program that we set out, then everything we do is basically creating an ecosystem and making sure that ecosystem is available to support the founders. So it's not just Rockstart, where you see many other funds, it's just the funds team itself that will be working with the, with the companies. Here we have in energy, for example, we have 60 mentors who from the very beginning will come in and work and support those companies. So that's why we can support many more companies that you will be able to do if you have a different model and mostly focused on the financial investment. Okay. And speaking of many more companies, are you actually going to make more investments per year uh, than before with the funds? Yeah. So between 10 and 15 per year, depending on the amount of good companies uh, in every domain. Yeah. Before we sort of had a standard model where we only do 10 per year, right? So we opened that up a little bit to be more flexible. And we since very reason also offering more capital at the beginning. What we don't want to see anymore, <laughs> we don't want to see companies feeling that there's a better opportunity to go to the US, for example. We don't want to have companies thinking that Y Combinator is the only, only great place to, to be. So we're now offering, for certain companies at a certain states, also a higher cash component. So we can actually offer 200,000 euros from the beginning instead of, uh, yeah. So basically, so now it can be tailor-made because uh, earlier it was like with any other accelerator, you had this one deal that uh, every company would need to take in order to uh, be accepted in the program. Yeah, exactly. We're recognizing that because of the model, we're getting companies at different stages and the ones that are a little bit further ahead or have maybe a slightly different track record from, uh, from a founder perspective, we will then also offer a slightly different deal. And that's, of course, because of the, the risk ratio that gives, right? If a little bit less risk, we can maybe offer a little bit more capital in the beginning. Right. I mean, you are not the only uh, organization of this type that sort of drops uh, the acceleration uh, part from branding and uh, maybe changes the, the way they operate. But there are still remaining like normal traditional accelerators. What do you think? Do you think they still have a uh, place in this ecosystem? Is there still, is there still a place for them? And uh, uh, what, what this place is like? There's definitely a place for a lot of different players with different kind of focuses. So being an early stage startup support or accelerator program of any kind, I think as long as you are really clear on what your value add is, let's say you have a very specific focus within industry that you cater towards, it can also be that you're a non-equity program, right? And you're more sort of facilitating the private market to go in and further invest. But one thing I'm struggling with is the business model of those, <laughs> those organizations because <laughs> we tried it and yeah. building a portfolio where you take equity, but then don't have a business model where you actually continue to support those companies is, is a bit of a short-term gain. When you get to 150 companies, then you start realizing that managing that portfolio out and really adding value and bringing some exits and thereby also proceeds to your investors require hands-on support. So for that reason, we would not continue with the other model, even if we could 
because we don't want to continue to build like a big portfolio of companies that will need to live for 10 years for them to actually uh, be able to exit and make money. And speaking of you, speaking of your investors, by the way, did the type of the LPs uh, that you attract, uh, did it change uh, with the change of the model? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were lucky enough to be able to launch the first agri-food fund together with the Danish Growth Fund, Wexfonden, out of Denmark, where I'm originally uh, from. And uh, the Hogedene, a Dutch family office, really very renowned here in the Netherlands. Together, those two cornerstones and then several high net worth individuals, uh, for example, business angel Johan Bulow, created a very sort of also well, highly positioned uh, like Chris brand out of Denmark. And together with those kind of individuals and institutions, we were able to sort of launch the first. And of course, that's that's a different kind of investor than who normally participated in supporting the first uh, Rockstar programs, uh, where also the ticket sizes are much higher, right? So to 5 million plus million euros per investor. So yeah, that changes the dynamic because instead of dealing with like one investor, either you're dealing with a family office or you're dealing with an institution of hundreds of people uh, where you have many different touch points. So that, that changes it. Is it easier or is it harder? It's easier. Okay. The reason being they do this for a living. When you invest for a living, you kind of know all the, all the rules of the game. Right. And thereby maybe right. there's less questions about how things work. Okay. And rather the other way around, they would educate us on how things should work. And I think that makes it easier because they're just experienced professional investors. Right. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and now out of curiosity, so you are doing this rebranding and you're introducing this new logo. What does it mean for you? Like, and now the hand gesture that you've been so known for, it's sort of starting to, to disappear, I guess, from the marketing materials. So what does it mean for you? How does it, how does it feel? Yeah, <laughs> it's been a bit heavy to let go of that because we had this like, you know, rock on yeah. uh, every time we would go on stage, right? And we would explain that startups are a rock band in businesses, you know, a small team with big ambitions, not doing it for the money or the fame, but doing it because they're really, you know, excited to change the world. Now, that was great at the time in 2011 when we started out, and there wasn't much talk about startup entrepreneurship. Uh, reality, if of course, today I don't think it resonates in the same way, but also the reality, and here I can sort of take my own experience and own purpose into consideration, but we set out the purpose to fund the transformation to a regenerative and sustainable future. And we very sincere about it. Like we started our first energy program in 2014 and already on the roadmap in 2016, we knew we wanted to do a food and ag program, which then became agri-food. And those are sort of the two main domains that we focused on. And for a reason, because we want to contribute something positive to the society. So moving away from a little bit like rock and roll towards more focused on positive impact in the society has been a conscious decision. And let's say it's only been prioritization that made it that it took on to 2021 uh, to actually make those changes. We could have made those changes two years ago, maybe more than two years ago. Right. No, it, uh, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, it makes me a little bit sad uh, as well like to, to, to see things uh, change. Uh, but uh, but I guess it does uh, it, it it does feel more I don't know in tune with uh, everything that's happening around us right now. I think for for guys for guys like you and me who sort of like have seen the brand growing up and also like the rock and roll part of it, yeah, that can still be part of that. <laughs> but the reality is that the purpose of the company is so much more than that. It's really trying to do our best to support founders to have a positive impact in the world. 
and our new branding resonates with that with that message. And uh, and the team itself, you said that you have now become a remote first company. So how 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 did that uh, change uh, go, and uh, like what sort of lessons have you learned along the way? Yeah, so during COVID, we decided at the time everyone was asked to not come into the office and work from home. Well, the natural transition for Rockstar would be to actually become a remote first company, with the very clear notion that forty uh, no our portfolio of one hundred and fifty two at the time companies were in 40 different countries, distributed across 40 different countries. So if you have that realization and then you have so much focus on that one location, it's actually a little bit of a disconnect to get an investment from Rockstar. So we wanted to like zoom out and say, okay, we offer support and empower founders across Europe and across Latin America and be available on different locations. And I think it started a conversation within Rockstar in how do we do support uh, the best possible way if you're not in Amsterdam or not in Copenhagen, but you're really on any location. So for us, it's been positive. It also means that some, quite a few people have moved out of the Netherlands mm -hmm. who used to come here for work, who now go on back to the country where they came from. And I think that have ensured continuation of those individuals because I think not all of them would have probably stayed for the company for the longer term if they would not have had that option. So it's also a little bit of a strategy on HR, like how do you keep people, you know, great people in your company? And I think personally, I think location will matter less. I think personal interaction and connection with people will, will, will matter more. So how do, we, how do we create that? How do we create events, regardless of where we're at, that actually make us have a, have a personal connection? And I think that's become, that becomes an interesting challenge for Rockstar. Right. And speaking of challenges, what are the other challenges that you're seeing? What's uh, what, what does the future hold? Let's say like next two, three years. What do you what do you see happening? What do you want to solve? Uh, what do you want to happen? It's a really, really good question. I want to continue to focus on building the best possible uh, ecosystem. That's what we set out to do as a company, which means actually looking, especially within Europe, across different country, countries and seeing like how you become relevant for corporate in uh, Germany, corporate in Sweden, corporate in Denmark, in the Netherlands, and make that network work. Uh, that's something that we're con continuously working on and seeing how you do that in a re remote manner. So that's an interesting challenge. Also for the model that we build now, I mean, we are really focused on co-investing together with the market. Mm -hmm. So the network that we will continue to build out will be quite important for the growth of our companies and where we in the past let's say just look for the first follow-on investor mm -hmm. for yeah, seed round yeah. we actually now building an ecosystem where we have to have investors all the way up to exit right up to at least series b where we will continue to co-invest and that's a really that's a really interesting challenge and then making a company work in different time zones uh, so being in denmark being in amsterdam netherlands and being in colombia bogota making all of that come together as one organization is a pretty interesting challenge as well. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Well, Rune, thank you so much. Thanks for this uh, conversation. I wish you best of luck with everything that you're doing with Rockstar. I will keep following you. So let us know if there is any news. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And this is it for today's episode. Thanks to Rune for joining and big thanks to you for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. 
Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I'm Andrew Daigler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.